0: Tonight, um, We are continuing uh, two weeks ago, uh, Miss Tanya did a great job last week And uh, if you were here, I know you were blessed by that The week before that, we had started talking about the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives If you need another one of the handouts, uh, Stephen, there may be some back there on the thing If you don't have your handout, um, you can get because we're going to be looking at our handout tonight So if you don't have that, uh, just raise your hand And uh, it's the importance of the Holy Spirit Is there some more of them back there? Okay, good. Because we got through like the the first part there about Jesus and the Holy Spirit are inseparable. So if you need one, raise your hand. If you don't have one, Stephen can uh, give you another copy. That's fine. I had plenty of them. You know, um, it is... um, When you think about the Holy Spirit... um, You know... Uh, and, and we talked about this you know a couple weeks ago, but brother Hagan brother said that that the Holy Spirit was the most neglected person in church and uh most neglected you know person uh because because you know like i said and and i i don 't know that it 's so much that way i don 't know that it 's so much that way today as it was in brother hagan 's day but but you know you do hear people you do hear people talking about Jesus, you hear people talking about the father uh, but you know you don 't you don 't really hear a lot of people. Talking about their dependence on the Holy Spirit and so uh, so I think it is important for us to look at and for us to to take our time looking at this and you know two weeks ago we looked at the first part of this uh, the first part of this this paper that I handed out, and I got this from uh, Rick Renner I told you that that, that i love I love his stuff on the Holy Spirit his uh, I use Rick Renner Sunday too, I and mean, I guess I've been listening to a lot of Rick or studying a lot from his stuff, but I love his uh, in depth uh teaching on on things like this so um, um you know if you he's one of those you know we and Paul and I talk about this a lot you know a lot of times the the Holy Spirit will have us uh listening to or following somebody or reading after you know. Uh, at a certain time, and other times it'll be somebody else. And I guess Renner's one of those right now. I'm just reading a lot after, and studying after, and he's got so much great stuff out there. So, but anyway, so his teaching on the Holy Spirit is just really in depth, and it's really, um, you know, really some good stuff. So we talk about the the uh, how that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were inseparable from 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 the time of his from the time of his conception all the way through till till he was raised from the dead. Um, Just again, we'll mention this there. It says, interestingly, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 56 times in the four Gospels. So in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 56 times. He's mentioned 57 times in the book of Acts alone. And then the Spirit is mentioned 112 times in Paul's epistles and another 36 times in the remaining books. And if you add all those up... That's 261 times in the in the New Testament alone. So you you see the importance of the Holy Spirit. I, I can't emphasize enough. For me, um, I guess you know when when I got introduced to the Holy Spirit, and and we're gonna the next few weeks we're gonna be looking at uh, at we're gonna be looking at like the gifts of the Spirit, and we're gonna be looking at um, probably even get into to tongues and being filled with the Spirit and things like that, and just a good do a do a good teaching on that again. And I think it's good for us to do that because I, I, think, it's, I think it's good for to remind ourselves of the importance of, of our spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit. You know, because Jesus told his disciples, if you remember, he told his disciples, the last thing he told them, and I think we're going to see that here, the last thing he told them was, you know, uh, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And he said, because it's that important, you know, it's expedient for, that I go away. That you come you know and and so that I can send the comforter, another comforter, one just like me, and we know that that you know that that whole that whole thing is important because because um, you know when you think about Jesus because I've heard people say, oh I would, I'd love to live in in Jesus' day, but today is greater than the day Jesus lived in, because if we lived in his day, we would have had to follow him around wherever he went, right. you know because at that their day they didn't have the Holy Spirit without measure. We do, we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, you know what I mean so and we have not only that, we have his stories, we have we have his you know everything that not everything, but we have a good representation of what he did, and we know that he said we, that we could do the same things and even greater so so uh, the Holy Spirit is important um, he talks about here he goes into this ten symbolic depictions of the spirit, and i 'm just going to talk about these i 'm probably not going to read. Uh, a lot of these, and I, w- I, w- I want to get to the back page, the back side of this, and look at it but but he mentions ten symbols, uh, and really, you could do a teaching on each one of these because they really are good uh, but there 's ten different symbols or ten like when you read the Bible, sometimes when you see like for example, number one it says the Holy Spirit is depicted as oil. And he is oil because he anoints us. Psalms ninety two ten is where it talks about that, that we're anointed with the with the with a horn of oil. And you know, and, and that you know, and, and so when you see when you see oil in the Bible, um, a lot of times it is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, so that's one of the that's one of the ways that he's depicted. And 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 of course the main the main um, use for oil in that day was the anointing, was to anoint somebody. So, with the precious anointing oil. So, so he's depicted as that, as, as the one that anoints us. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. Number two, the Holy Spirit is described as dew in Psalm 133. That's the scripture where it talks about the, like the dew on Mount Hermon. And it says, now this is, I love this one because I love the symbolization of this because he says that dew appears in the morning and when it appears, it covers everything. Likewise, when the Holy Spirit is described as dew, it signifies the corporate anointing that is on an entire unified congregation or group. The dew of the Holy Spirit is a manifestation of the Spirit suddenly showing up everywhere on everything. Boy, that's a—I mean, that's a great picture. You know, it's, and and you know, it's interesting that that when you talk about that, because when you think of the dew, sometimes you go outside in the morning, and sometimes it's a real heavy dew, and then sometimes it can be a real light. You know, just barely, you can barely see it. Well, you know, how many of you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit comes a whole lot, it seems like it's, He's a whole lot stronger at times than He is other times. And, you know, so so that corporate anointing, um, you know, when, when He comes, He comes on everything everywhere. But, even then, it's still up to you and I to receive Him. Yeah. You know, I mean, just because He's here doesn't mean everybody gets the exact same thing. You know, people, you, you see the time when Jesus was in... Jesus was in that house and and uh, and they had to let, the, you know, it was full of Pharisees and, and religious leaders and they had to tear the roof off and let that guy down. But the Bible said in that scripture, it says that the Spirit of the Lord was there, was present to heal them all. But the only person that got healed was the one that let down through the ceiling. Now imagine that. But every, I mean, everybody else could have received that day, but they didn't. So, you know, just because the dew falls doesn't mean that you're going to receive the blessings of it unless you believe it and receive it. Amen? So then number three, the Holy Spirit is referred to as water. Isaiah 44.3, the Bible says that God will pour His Spirit out like water upon, our hearts that, upon the hearts that are hungry and thirsty for more of Him. So water is another symbol of the Holy Spirit. Number four, the Holy Spirit is referred to as fire, Luke 3.16. He often burns up things in our lives that are not like Jesus, he sets, uh, but, but sets powerful ablaze the things that are like Him. And um, that scripture there in Luke was the one, I think, where it says that... uh, Let's just look at that, because that that was a pretty cool scripture in Luke 3.16. It just says this. I'll just read it right quick. Um, It says, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming whose whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Oh, man. How many of you have been baptized with fire? I mean, come on. I mean, and, and what he's talking about there, I mean, he's just talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It, man, it'll set you on fire. It'll, it'll, it'll light you up. Amen. So, um, so he's depicted as fire there. Number five, the Holy Spirit is described as a, as, as a dove. Now notice that, you know, a lot of people say that the Holy Spirit is a dove, but the Bible never says that, that he is a dove. It says that like a dove. It was just symbolic of, of you know, he was saying, you know, when you see a dove, how peaceful it is and and how graceful it is. He said that's like what the Holy Spirit is like. He didn't say the Holy Spirit is a dove. He said he is like a dove, and uh, and he says that he he says the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. The dove is gentle and peaceful. The dove depicts gentleness of the Holy Spirit. Um, number six, the Holy Spirit is also referred to as a river. Oh, thank God for the river. A river is moving and flowing and bubbling up to give life. The Holy Spirit is like a river to those who allow Him to flow in their lives. And that's the scripture in John 7 where it says that like a river coming up out of you, you know, the Holy Spirit will, will come up out of you like a river. And then, uh, number 7, the Holy Spirit is called wind. In John 3, 8 it says the wind blows hither or there. You don't know where it goes or where, you know, where it comes from. He says the Holy Spirit is the same way. Jesus compared him with wind in his conversation with Nicodemus, <clears throat> and we can see that the Holy Spirit appearing as wind in the upper room. Wind is very powerful and can be very noisy. Number eight, the Holy Spirit is a seal in 2 Corinthians one. Let's just let's turn over there to that one, and because because this is a uh, there's two of them in here, and I like this scripture. Second Corinthians, we actually looked at this one uh, the other day in one of my I think it was one Sunday. A couple Sundays ago. Second Corinthians 1. Uh, and, and this was talking about... Uh, let's see, I'll pick up in verse... Uh, like in verse 20, he says, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him are amen to the glory of God through us. Now He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also sealed us and has given to us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The Amplified says, He, he has also appropriated and acknowledged us by, by he, or, or as His by putting His seal upon us and giving us His Holy Spirit in our hearts as the security deposit and guarantee of the fulfillment of His promise. Amen. So the Holy Spirit, you know, and basically what that's saying is this, the Holy Spirit is our seal. The Bible says that our spirits are sealed and we're perfect. You know, our spirits are perfect, and the Holy Spirit at salvation, the Holy Spirit seals our our spirit. So our spirits are sealed. But not only are not only is He a seal, but He's also the guarantee. In other words, here you know, it's kind of like um, yeah, a down payment. It's kind of like um, I'm trying to think of a. I guess a down payment was a good example. You had some. Like yeah, yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like you know you know if somebody gives you an engagement ring, they're not going to walk out. Yeah. I mean you know I mean that's a promise. I mean well in most I mean if you do it right I mean, but uh, you know most people if, if it's done right, you know that it's the down payment, it's the it's the engagement ring. It's basically it's basically God saying, look. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And if I'm putting him in you, it, it was Jesus saying this. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come back. Yeah. And and what he was saying, I'm going to go to prepare a place. And just so you'll know, I'll be back. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And he's going to be with you until I come and get you. You know, so it's that engagement ring, the down payment. It's the, it's the guarantee of the promise. If, if, if we have no other guarantee of the promise... We know that He is going to fulfill what He said He's going to fulfill because we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Amen. Well, I mean, man, that is, that is incredible. So that's number eight and number nine. And then lastly, number ten, it says the Holy Spirit is called wine. In Ephesians 5.18, the Bible says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be a positive iniberating in effect on our lives when you're filled with the holy spirit he changes the way you feel and the perspective in which you see things everything changes when you are filled with the holy spirit that's because he is god's wine for the believer he's the new wine amen and and uh so everything changes it's good it's not good to be drunk on on wine but be drunk in the holy spirit boy that's a you know you can wake up without regretting the thing amen so so that's good all right so i want to i want to go through uh this last portion here the book of acts is a pattern for the church. And I want us just to kind of look at these Scriptures, because when you think about the book of Acts, you know, really you think about, uh, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, um, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's different different people call it different things. Um, and, you know, a lot of people said it should be uh, that the... Uh, it's called the Acts of the Apostle. A lot of people said it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because of, of you know, because everything everything in Acts really revolves around the Holy Spirit. And it, then also, you remember when we went through the Book of Acts, we talked about that. Really, the Book of Acts is the only book that was left unfinished because you and I are still writing it out today. You know, so so the Holy Spirit. Now you're going to see, and the reason I say that. Is because when we look at these scriptures, as we just flip through Acts real quick, we're going to see uh, we're going to look at like maybe ten different scriptures, 10, 11 different scriptures that that we're going to see the importance of the Holy Spirit just in this one book. What did it say? He was mentioned uh, 50, 57 times in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit. So so you know that in this just in this one book um, that it's going to be important. So the book of Acts, uh, the book of Acts was written by Luke. And this book not only contains the history of the early church, but it's also a pattern for the church of all generations. What happened in Acts is is what is supposed to be happening in the life of every believer and every church throughout all generations. In other words, what we're getting ready to read should be happening in our lives. It's, it's the Acts. It's, it's because we have the same Holy Spirit. So, so we'll just start and, and we hit you know five or six or probably about seven or eight different scripture or chapters here throughout the book of acts but for example in acts chapter 1 and if you if you want to open up your bible you can follow along or i'll just i I'll, I'll just read them and you can you know follow along on your page there but acts chapter 1 of course we know is the outpouring of the holy spirit it's is the day of pentecost it's the you know when the holy spirit was poured out and uh, and here in the the very first or actually that's acts chapter 2 acts chapter 1 is kind of recounting the story setting everything up. And Acts chapter 1 is when, you know, it's kind of going back and recounting the story of what Jesus said. And it says, um, in verse 6, it says, Therefore, when the Lord came together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons which, which the Father has put in His own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all of Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The Amplified says this, I like this. The Amplified says, you sh- but you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So see, for every one of us as a believer, when we got born again, when we got born again, the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of us. And then we have, and what he's talking about here um, in, you know, of course, in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1 and then Acts chapter 2, he was talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, for them, that, that was, uh, you know, the, until the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was no salvation. Exactly. You know, so for them, for them, here on, and, and I, most people believe that, that Jesus, when Jesus breathed on his disciples, um, you know, that that's when they, that that's when they got born again. But but not not a hundred the hundred twenty that was in the upper room not all of them were there when Jesus talked just to his disciples. So in the upper room when when the Holy Spirit was poured out and power came upon them, not only you know it came in them the Holy Spirit came in them, but they were also baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. And you know and and sometimes that happens. Sometimes you know people can get born again and baptized at the same moment. You know I mean instantly. Then other times if for like me I was I was saved and I was like. Seven years old. And I didn't, get, I didn't get baptized with the Holy Spirit until I was, man, I mean, it was two years after I got married. So, so, I mean, that was 96. I was 26 years old before I got filled. So there was, you know, 20 years in between from the time I got saved until the time I got Spirit-filled and, and got baptized. But, but it's interesting, he said there, like I said, I love to amplify that. That he said that it's power, is ability, efficiency, and might that comes on you. And see, that's what every one of us, every one of us. This, this is the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives: power, efficiency, might, ability. It's the ability of God on the inside of us. That's the Holy Spirit. That's that's what each one of us. And it's not, it's not that we don't have it. We already have it. That's the incredible thing. Listen, I, I'm praying. I'm praying the the prayers from Paul too. And I love, I love, um, the, uh, the, in, in Ephesians 3, like verse 19, is one verse, man. I, I just, every time I get to this verse, I just stop and meditate on this. But he prayed this, he said, that I may really come to know, particularly through experience for myself, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge of that experience. But then here's what that'll do. He says, that I may be filled through all my being unto the fullness of God that I may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. Now, if, we're, if, if we become a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself, not only does that include love, but that includes might and power and ability and, and all those things that we just talked about, you know. And, and my prayer for every one of us is, my prayer for all of us is that, that every one of us would become a body wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. With every ability, every, every, uh, with all the power, with, with His full presence on the inside of us. Man, I mean, if, if there's, there's nothing that should be able to stop us there you go. right now. Exactly. Amen. Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Now this is very familiar and we all know this scripture. And it says, um, and we'll just start reading in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, in the, they were all in one, with one accord in, in, a, in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. There's that wind again. Now notice it did say it's a sound. It didn't say that, that there was a wind. It said there came a sound as a rushing mighty wind. And it says, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. So on the day of Pentecost, when when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they were they were not only born again, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And and uh, man, what a what an incredible day that must have been. But you know what? It's no different than the day that you got born again. Now we may not have had the accompany accompanying wind sound or. The, see tongues like as a fire sitting on everybody's head, you know, the day you got filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? The same thing happened to you as happened to them. And the same power, the same ability, the same opportunity that they had, you have. Why? Because it's the same Holy Spirit. It's not another Holy Spirit. He didn't, he didn't pour out one Holy Spirit on the, on the early church and then reserve something else for us. It's like we always say, when a little kid gets born again and gets filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not a junior Holy Ghost. Is the Holy Ghost, Amen. It's the Holy Spirit, Amen. Never underestimate the power of speaking in other tongues. When you speak in other tongues, it moves you into a supernatural dimension. We're going to be we're going to be touching on that in the next couple of weeks. In Acts forty two and forty three, um, <clears throat> Acts forty two and forty three, it says this. In verse forty, it says and with and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, "Be saved from this perverse generation." This is this was after. Um, uh, Peter stood up and and preached that that sermon And he says, be saved from this perverse generation Then those who gladly received his word were baptized And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them And they continued steadfastly In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship And in the breaking of bread and in prayers Then fear came upon every soul And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles But now let me ask you the question How did they do those signs and wonders? It was through the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that you and I have. Listen, there should be signs and wonders following us everywhere we go. And really the only reason they're not is because we're not letting them flow. Amen. So so we, we have to understand that. In Acts chapter 3, so we saw chapter 1, chapter 2, now here's chapter 3. We see the Holy Spirit working through Peter. And, and here at verse 6, this is where Peter and John were going to the, going to the temple. And, and, uh, and we'll just, we'll just read this. Verse 1 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb. Now he had been lame his whole life. He was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms or to beg. Excuse me, from those who entered the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes upon him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, so 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 that now he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered, entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And the people and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now let me ask you this. When's the last time you gave somebody what you have? Now listen, we talk, about the, we talk about this coronavirus and everybody spreading this virus. We should be spreading something. There you go. Listen, and you might say, oh, well, I don't have nothing to give nobody. Well, Peter and John, Peter said they didn't have no money. They didn't have a pocket full of change or maybe they just didn't have their wallet on them. Whatever, whatever the case, however you want to look at that. Or if, they, if you say they didn't have nothing, well, they didn't have nothing. Well, that's fine. But what he said, he said, such as I have, I give you. And what did he have? He had the Holy Spirit. It wasn't, listen, it wasn't because Peter and John were special. He said, and you know, and you, you look at his life and you see that, that it's what God gave him. You know, Jesus told them, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be baptized in fire. You know, there's power, ability, efficiency, might coming upon you. And when Peter and John saw this guy and he, they fastened eyes on him, he said, what I have, I'll give you. And he reached out and grabbed him and jerked him up. Now, man, I'm, I, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's so much that you can say about that, but 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 there's so many of us are really, to be honest with you, we're afraid to, and the reason we're afraid is this: the reason we're afraid to say things like that and do things like this is because, well, number one, most people don't know what they have. Most people don't don't realize the power that's living on the inside of them, and they've never flipped the switch. They they just got they've got this big. Ball of dynamite living on the inside of them, this big ball of power and might and ability and and all this living here, and they've never figured out how to tap into it. So isn't that something? Then in Acts chapter four, here Acts chapter four verse thirty one, and man, you can see we could. I mean, we're preaching through. I mean, you can. It took us when we did, went through the book of Acts, I think it took us, I don't know, almost a year to get through this whole book. So we're flying through it here, this, you know, just looking at these certain things. And uh, here in Acts, Acts chapter four is when Peter and John got arrested. They got arrested because they healed this guy, and they got thrown in jail, and they got beat, and they and they arrested him. and they they stood up in front of the Sanhedrin, and and you know, and caused a big stir, and all this, and and they they warned them, tell them don't you you know don't you go and mention the name of Jesus again, and they they did all this, they let them go, and and this is where they says they went to their own company, and then and uh, and it's listen, it's important to be around people that believe like you. You surround yourself with people full of doubt and unbelief, and before you know it, you'll be drained. I mean, you, you have to surround yourself with people that believe like you. Now, that's not saying you isolate yourself and you don't go to those that, that have unbelief, but you have to be around people that will encourage you, build you up that you, where you can get charged up so that you can go out and, and minister to those people. But here in Acts 4.31, it says this, and it, and it says, well, let's just, we'll pick up in... Uh, We'll just pick up in verse 23. I mean, this is just so good. It says, So being let go, they went to their own company, their own companions, and they reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they had heard it, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said... Why did the heathen, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, the rulers were gathered together against the Lord against his Christ. for truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. Now they're praying, they're reminding God of these things. It says to do whatever your hand and purpose determined before to be done. Now listen to these next couple of verses now, Lord. Look on their threats. Now, notice he didn't say protect us and keep us from from being threatened. They, now, listen to this prayer, Lord. Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with boldness we may speak your word. Now they just got they just got rebuked by the main court and said, "Don't you dare speak the word. Don't you dare say his name. You be quiet. You don't. You know. You don't say any of that." But their prayer was, Lord. You see their, th- their threats. You hear what they're saying. Give us more boldness to speak Your Word. By stretching out Your hand to heal. This is fourth. This is fourth uh, verse 29 and 30 and 31. By stretching out Your hand to heal, and that signs, wonders may be done through the name of Your holy servant Jesus. And then look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place they, where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Alright, I'll ask you another question. When's the last time you spoke the Word of God with boldness to somebody? And you say, well, maybe it's been a while. Well, maybe you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit again. Amen, that's right. Hey, we need to speak with boldness. Come on, in, that, in the Holy Spirit, He'll help us. Amen. Acts chapter 5. So here we are. We've, we've looked at all five chapters so far. Acts chapter 5. Um, verses 12 through 15. We see the Holy Spirit working through the apostles so powerfully that not only they that were laying hands on people and the people were getting healed, but even those that were in Peter's shadow received healing. Now check this out. 12 through 15. It's a, this is chapter 5, 12 through 15. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet not, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So that they, so that they brought the sick. Now listen, now, guys listen. You, you want to know how to fill this church up? Start, start speaking the word with boldness. Start seeing people get healed. Start, I mean, seriously, every one of us. Start, no, it don't, it, it's not just the, just, it's not just me, it's all of us. Amen. They got to the place where it said that they, that multitudes were, were hearing about them. And then listen to what happened. They, they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And the multitude, also a multitude gathered from the surrounded cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed. Amen. Guess what? God hasn't changed. He's still the same today as he was then. That means it's God's will to heal today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Acts chapter 6 verse 8. Here we see signs and wonders continuing. This is Stephen, and now listen to this, man. This I love. I love this scripture. It says Stephen, being full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. People say all the time, "Oh, yeah," but that was the apostles. Stephen wasn't an apostle; he was a deacon. He was a, he was just a servant. He was a, he was waiting on tables, and it says he was full of the Holy Ghost and with power, so that so that signs and wonders. We're done. And at his death, I love that scripture. At his death the Bible says as they were stoning him, actually Saul was actually holding the coats. That was before Saul had his encounter with God and got knocked off his donkey and straightened his first letter out to where he is Paul now instead of Saul. And and you know, but he said that he held the coats of those that stoned Stephen. But it says that as Stephen was being stoned, it said he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. See, the Bible says when Jesus finished, when He went to heaven, it says He sat down. Because His job was over. His job was finished. But when Stephen, when, when, when Jesus and the Father, I believe the Father was standing too. I think Peter just saw Jesus. But, but when they saw the faith of Stephen and what he did and the boldness and what, what Stephen did, just being a lay person, when, when he saw him, when, G, when, when Stephen looked up into heaven and saw him, it got Jesus up off his throne. Amen. And he was probably clapping and saying, that's my boy right there. That's my boy. Man, that, that is powerful. And it's the same Holy Ghost that's in us. Come on. The Apostle Philip was also used mightily by the Holy Spirit among the people in Samaria. Scripture says, unclean spirits, this is chapter 8, verse 7. Unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, being taken, and many taken with a palsy, and they that were lame were healed. That was by Philip the Evangelist. He was another one that wasn't an Apostle. Yeah, I mean, so man, that's incredible. Acts chapter ten. So you see here, I mean, just just throughout all the way throughout the throughout the uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter ten, verse forty four, and here we have Peter. Um, we have Peter preaching preaching in Cornelius's house. This is where Peter has the vision of the. He was up on the rooftop praying, and God showed him the vision of the the letting down the the sheet with the unclean animals on it, and. And, you know, Peter and he kept saying, Take and eat, and Peter said, I'm not eating that. That's unclean. And the third time Jesus told him, said, Don't you dare call what I call clean unclean. And it was it was a symbol, or it was preparing Peter's heart that he was getting ready to go preach to the Gentiles. Because up to this point that he had only preached to the Jews. Because this was a Jewish uh promise. But when the Jews when the Jews Uh, rejected it god said okay you that's fine Said, i'll open it up to the gentiles and thank god he did because that he opened it up to us so so he was preparing peter's heart and then and then so when when he finally said that he said peter by the way three guys are down there at the gate and he said he said go with them and ask nothing and so the next day i mean they come and they spend the night the next day they go to uh... to cornelius's house Peter just stands up and starts preaching you know it's the only thing he knows to do tell him what Jesus told him to what God told him to give and then and then here in verse 44 this is chapter 10 verse 44 it says while Peter was still speaking while Peter was still speaking these words the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astound were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit, had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So see, while Peter, right in the middle, Peter, listen, he hadn't even got them born again. He hadn't even given his altar call. They accepted Jesus and got baptized just like that. Peter didn't even have to ask them to, to get to receive Him. They, they were so hungry and so ready for the Word. They just believed it and received it, got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And then the next verse there, 47, Peter says, Can anybody keep these guys from being baptized? Let's go find some water. And they took them and baptized them and right there, they, I mean, they got... So they saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, baptized in water. This is just a matter of minutes. Amen. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The gift of prophecy was in operation through a believer named Agabus in eleven in chapter eleven verse twenty eight. Now here this is this is where where uh, Barnabas uh, where Barnabas and Saul were uh, were at Antioch, and here we see uh, in verse twenty eight it says this or verse twenty seven. In those days, prophets came from from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit. That there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. So here he prophesied about a famine, and the famine happened. And then in chapter 13, 13, verse 2, now we're just, like I said, you know, we're just showing you just some of these, um, some of these examples of what the Holy Spirit did. This is where where the Holy Spirit speaks up and and calls people out and tells them. Gives them an assignment. Here it says in chapter thirteen, verse one, it says, Now in the church that was in Antioch there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucas of Cyrene, uh, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Paul and or Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So, boy, in a prayer meeting, in a prayer meeting, they're, they're praying and fasting and asking the Lord for direction for what God would have them to do. And he calls out Barnabas and Saul. And you know what they do? They laid hands on them and then they sent them out. They said, they said, the Holy Ghost called you out. Now get out of here. Go. You know, that's part of the Great Commission. You know that? The Great Commission is not come and stay. The Great Commission is go. Go into all the world, right? Look at chapter 14. Now, we're, we're finishing up here, chapter 14. And we, you could go through every chapter, really, and, and pick things out here. But here in chapter 14, we see the Holy Spirit's gift of healing working through Paul. In verse, in verse 8, it says, And in Lystra, Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, and Paul observing him intently, seeing that he had faith to be healed. How many of you know that you can see faith in people? Sometimes you can just look at them and know, man, they're ready. They're ready. And Paul said with a loud voice, "Stand up straight on your feet." And he leaped and walked. Come on! Now, when the people saw that Paul had what Paul had done, they raised their voices. Saying in in their own language, the gods have come down to make, to to us in the likeness of men. You know, and and Paul and Barnabas had to, they had to shut them up and, you know, and tell them they weren't gods and, you know, that they were just come from God, not, they weren't a God. But here you see, I mean, this is the power. You see, because not only, not only is the healing power there, but notice, notice what else that is there. Just the, the power to discern. Paul discerned that this guy was ready to be healed. He saw him. He discerned it. He spoke it out in boldness. The guy leaped and walked. Mm. Acts sixteen verse seven and eight. Paul's ministry team experienced the working of the Spirit. Acts sixteen seven and eight. Man, this is this is fun, man. Just seeing all the the miracles and and everything that that uh, that they had done. Now listen to this it says. Now when they had when they had gone through Perga and into the region of uh, Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the Word in Asia. Now look at that. the Holy Spirit told them not to go to Asia and it says that after they had come to Mysa, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the spirit did not permit them. that's something. So passing on by Missa, they came down to Troas and had a and, a and in a vision, appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Isn't that something? The Holy Spirit forbid him to go to Asia. Now, now listen, a lot of times we say, a lot of times we say things like, you know, well, well, you know, the Holy Spirit will never tell you no. I mean, but you know what? He will. Now, and and the Great Commission, listen, the Great Commission was, you know, start in Jerusalem, go to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So Asia was part of that. But yet, they wanted to go to Asia, but the Holy Spirit said, not yet. Not yet. And they wanted to go into, into somewhere else. Oh, not yet. That's not, that's not what I want you for. That's not what I got for you right now. So they got down to Troas. And when they was at Troas, he had a vision, the Macedonian vision, to where he heard, he heard somebody in Macedonia saying, Paul, come help us. And he went to Macedonia, and and a great revival broke out in Macedonia. And, and the, listen, the Holy Spirit, man, the Holy Spirit will teach, I mean, it's great to have, it's great to have the power, it's great to have the healing, it's great to have all that, but thank God for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Thank God that He'll teach us and lead us and, and if, if we're, if we have enough sense to listen to Him. I mean, you know, if, if, because, because most of the time, to be honest with you, when, when we pray and ask about something, we already got our mind made up what we want. And if the Lord ever does tell us no or wait or do something else, we're kind of like, oh man, that was some bad pizza I had last night. You know, I, I better pray again, or something. And but you know, but a lot of times, what God does for us, anytime the way I see it, anytime that God says no or or not yet or whatever, is for our benefit. It's Him protecting us. It's Him, you know. And and how many times have we been in a hurry? You know, oh, I got to go, got to go, got to go, and then here's something hear something on the inside. Say, well, wait five minutes. You know, wait thirty minutes. You know, well, man, I'm in a hurry. I can't do that. The men in the men's meeting the other day uh, last Monday night, they gave a quote by, uh, I think Martin Luther or somebody, but he said that he said, you know, that he was so busy that he couldn't afford not to spend the first two hours of his day in prayer. And he said, and he said, as a matter of fact, that that if he ever got too busy that that uh that something he said i can't remember exactly how I said it now, but but he said but but then to spend the last hour of my day in prayer as well, but I love how he put it he said he said i'm so busy i've got so much to do today that I cannot afford not to spend my first two hours in prayer. There was another guy uh, I can't remember his name, but he said he said he'd get up four o'clock in the morning and spend three hours with God two and a half three hours with God, and he said if he ever heard he said if he ever if anybody else ever got up and before he did and was praying or doing something, he said it put him to shame. He said, he said, there, there should nobody, uh, be doing anything before they, you know, before, before they spend the time with God. And it, I mean, isn't that something to, how many of us, how many of us have a, have a heart like that? I mean, so many times we get up and especially if we're ever late, boy, we get up and the first thing we do is cut out our Bible time, cut out our prayer time. Oh, well, I'll catch up on that later. Well, if we, we need to get to the place where we say, I'm too busy, I'm too busy not to do it. If I'm going to get everything done, I got to get done today. I better spend some time in prayer. Amen. I better spend some time with the in, with the Lord today. Amen. And then then Acts nineteen verse eleven. Now listen, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is just you know it was just that that was signs and wonders for the early church." I, I heard that as a matter of fact you know in the in the Baptist church a lot of times you would hear that they would say they would say the holy ghost was just poured out for the early church. Well, at the end of the book of Acts here in Acts chapter 19, it was 24 years after the outpouring of the holy spirit. After, from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 19 it was 24 years. So here we see in Acts chapter 19 verse 11, look at this. Now God wrought unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and diseases left and evil spirits went out with them. Isn't that something? Twenty four years after the day of Pentecost. So it didn't it just it wasn't something just for the early church. It was something for, for the early church, it was something for the church twenty four years after that, it's something for the church two thousand years after that. Amen. amen. And that means it's for us too, amen. So by the time we get to Acts 19, is approximately 24 years have passed since the day of Pentecost. Paul was making a return visit to the city of Ephesus, and he encountered a group of John the Baptist disciples. After leading them in salvation, he laid hands on them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and immediately they were all filled with the Spirit and began speaking with tongues and prophesied. This is verse 6, the first part of chapter 19 there. And again, this was 24 years after Pentecost, more than two decades later, Because believers were still, believers were still laying hands on people and they were still being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I just want to challenge you tonight and say this. Not only 24 years after this happened, but I believe 2,000 years after this happened, people are still laying hands on people. They're still seeing people healed, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, demons cast out of them, people being born again. And it's happening right here at Destiny Bible Church. And it's happening right here in your, in your home. It's happening in your life. Is happening for every one of us, Amen. And you might say, "Well, Pastor, I, I don't really see it happening." Well, start speaking it. Start looking. Start looking for opportunities. Start listening to the Holy Spirit. Say, "Speak, speak with boldness right now." You know, go talk to this person. Go talk to that person. Share the gospel with this person. I had uh, some Jehovah Witnesses come by the house today, and uh, <clears throat> they got out, and, and I, I met them at the front door, and. And I was talking to them, and they they said, "Well, we just want to share scripture with you." I said, "Well, praise God!" I said, "I love sharing scripture too." I said, "Can I share some with y'all?" And they they're like, "Oh, well, you know," they said, "Yeah, we love hearing scripture," and and I said, "Well, good." So they shared. They, they were talking about you know in this day we we need to be we need to have Jesus. I said yeah I got Jesus in my heart. I said I'm full of the Holy Ghost speaking tongues. I said I'm spirit filled. I said I said you want me to show you in the scripture where that is? And they're like well brother we we're so glad that you're having a good day. They said we we just want to make sure that we're sharing the scripture and we got to go now. So they turned and, they turned around and got back in the car and left. And but I was like man I, I mean I'll, I'll share some scripture with you. I said let's we're we'll talking about the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues and and. No, they didn't. They gotta they kind of turn around, and walked off. You know, so she read one or two scriptures, and that other woman looked at her like, "Okay, let's go." She probably thought I was a kook or something. But, but, but you know. But listen, we, we we don't need to be ashamed of what we believe. Amen. We don't need to be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. So many people, and we talked about this. So many people, you know, they we have whole churches, whole denominations that that say things like, you know, we don't the whole we don't we don't do the gifts of the Spirit on Sunday mornings. You know, it might scare people. You know, we we just we you know that that's reserved for Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and things like that when not so many people are here. But I, I I want the Holy Spirit to move. I want the Holy Spirit to to signs, wonders, miracles happen on Sunday mornings. Amen. I mean, Brother Hagin always said that healing was the dinner bell to the world, and and we saw that. So I, I just you know I, the reason I wanted to go through that tonight was this. I just wanted you to see that in G, how how important it was in Jesus' life. From his conception to the death, burial, and resurrection. And then how important it was in the book of Acts. From, from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit until, you know, until the end of Acts where we read Paul still doing miracles. And then I want us to realize how important it is in our life. One last scripture is this. And listen to this. In uh, 1 Corinthians 14. And, and we may, we'll may we probably pick up here next week. But 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Now this comes right after chapter 13 which is the love chapter. And, uh, but verse 14, chapter 14, verse 1 says this, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now the word gifts is in italics, which means that, that that word really wasn't in there. That was added. So really it says pursue love and desire spiritual. The Amplified says it this way, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. And earnestly desire and cultivate spiritual endowments, gifts, especially that you may prophesy, interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. The message translation says it this way. I love this. Go after a life of love as if your life depends on it. Because it does. Amen. Give yourself to the gifts God gives you. Most of all, try to proclaim His truth. Amen. So go after God like your life depends on it, because it does. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let me pray for you and we'll go. Father, we love You. <coughs> Excuse me. We love You and thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for the, the Scripture that where we can encourage ourselves in the Word. We can encourage ourselves... Knowing that the Holy Spirit is still for us today. He was for the early church. He was for Jesus. He was for the early church. And He's for us. And He's living on the inside of every one of us. So we love You. We honor You. We praise You. We thank You for all that You're doing, Father. Bless bless Your holy name tonight, Father. And I pray blessings on each one here tonight. Lord, may we realize and understand the importance of the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. And may we depend on Him more and more every day. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. God bless